0: Welcome to Marvin Methodist Church's Sanctuary Service, brought to you from downtown Tyler, Texas. My name is Doug Baker, and I'm the lead pastor. Today we are starting a new sermon series entitled Margin, Creating Space to Breathe, Relate, and Give. Are you leaving any adequate room in your weekly schedule for rest, relationships, or ministry and giving to the Lord? Let's join in. The message is underway. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in their vast array, By the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing, so on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. And would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. So grateful for the way you love us. So grateful for the way you have saved us and are saving us. So grateful for the time we have to be together as we continue in worship, as we feast at your table, as we hear your word proclaimed, would you move through the room and much more so, would you move us to respond so that in our scattering we might steward well and faithfully represent you living into our call fully, Come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, pray that with me. Come Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. When A.J. Swoboda, prof, uh, professor and pastor, when he was 10 years old, he came home from school one afternoon to find his grandparents and his mom, standing at the dining room table talking. His grandparents had come to visit. They were looking at a piece of paper that changed everything for his family. His grandparents had driven up from California the night before. They stopped at the Oregon border to get gas and to buy food. They even spent the night, but while they were there, they bought a lottery ticket. And as they were in their hotel room in bed, watching the news, the announcer on TV started to read those numbers. And one by one, they're checking them off. And sure enough, they won $4.6 million. His grandparents won the lottery. And AJ says, it changed everything for our family. The next morning, they drove to the family's home to tell them what had happened. And there were debts that were paid, tuition was covered, vacations that were had, but there was also a dark side to winning the lottery. And A.J. would tell you this profound gift that created momentary bliss eventually led to bickering and infighting and anger. His grandparents who'd had 50 years together got divorced. And it was horrible as family members started to turn a cold shoulder to one another and bitterness was experienced by all. A.J. Swoboda said, the problem is, no one knew how to steward over such a gift. And we hear stories like that about folks who win the lottery time and time again. No one knows really how to steward over such a gift. This morning, we are beginning a campus-wide series on stewardship. The series is titled Margin, but it has so much more to do than just talking about money. But I want you to hear me say, we will talk about money next week. And in two weeks' time, we will make our pledge, an estimate of giving, for the year 2024. And there's a very practical reason that we do that, and I'm sure that you could figure out why, but let me just say, when we turn our estimate of giving for the next year, it helps us with certainty know how to budget and use the resources that God has given us. So when you turn in your pledge card, we are better able to project expenses and make a budget for the upcoming year. But stewardship affects everything. And everything we steward over reflects the gospel the way that we live our lives the way that we use our time the way that we steward over our children and even take care of our bodies it reflects the gospel and what we think about who God is and how he's gifted us and wired us today our focus is on stewarding over our time how do we create margin how do we find margin in our very busy too planned too much going on lives margin for what margin to breathe margin for our own sanity emotional health margin for god because when we make room for god he just might show up he just might speak did you know that if a straw is placed on a camel that is loaded down to the max, it will break that camel's back. More than just a saying. And it's not because of the straw, it's because of the overload that camel experiences. And most of us are overloaded. Our lives are spent running on fumes and we get maybe five hours of sleep at night interrupted between two and four if you're Mark Donaldson just wondering, what, God, do you want something? I'm trying to sleep here. We can't keep living our lives like that. And God does not expect us to. He's the one who made limits. He's wired limits into us, placed them on us for our own good and protection. We cannot thrive if our limits are chronically overloaded. We need margin. And so many of us think about margin and maybe even about Sabbath, and it's more like work-life balance. We do not answer calls after hours or we don't reply to emails after hours and we take our day off as best as we can, but none of us are perfect in so doing all of those things. And the reality is Sabbath rest is so much more than a day off or healthy work-life boundaries. Balance may result from the practice of Sabbath, but Sabbath is so much more. So if that's true, about Sabbath, and if Sabbath is, as some say, God's gift to the church, what would it look like if we learn how to steward over that gift instead of it getting the better of us like a lottery ticket would? What if we learned how to steward over the gift of Sabbath? The first thing I want to do is define Sabbath. Biblically speaking, Sabbath is a day of complete rest from secular work following six days of labor. It was established and is modeled by God and it's a concept that has evolved over time, even scripturally speaking. The Hebrew word for Sabbath is Shabbat with a B and it literally means to stop, cease and desist from work. It means complete rest, Shabbat, is thought to be derived from the verb shavat with a V. That word means to rest. If Sabbath is rest, Shavat means to rest. And the word Shabbat, Sabbath, it does not occur in the book of Genesis at all. But the verb shavat does, and we just read that Genesis 2, 1 through 3. On the seventh day, God Shavated. He rested from all his work. We don't see the word Shabbat until Exodus 16. Sabbath, stop and rest. And it's wildly countercultural, even in Moses' day. On the Sabbath, you stop work, and this goes for your animals, or today's time, your heavy machinery. Whatever it is you put your hand to, stop and rest. The reason being, God is the one who causes all things to be, from creation to salvation. And when we stop and rest, it's like we recognize that. God is the one in control. He is sovereign. And it's not about me, it's about him. Let God be God. And we give him honor, we give him glory. In Exodus 20, the Ten Commandments, it's the first time we see the Ten Commandments. The commandment to Sabbath is the longest of them all. You shall not do any work because of God. When we Sabbath, it's God-like. In six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that's in it. But on the seventh day, God shavated, he rested. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. So rest in him, trust him. This command to Sabbath, literally to stop and rest is given just after the Israelites exodus out of Egypt, after they were rescued and saved, rest, Israelites because it had nothing to do with you. It was all about God and his work of salvation and he wrote you into his story. So rest. This command was also given prior to 40 years of wandering through the wilderness because of disobedience and a whole generation was forbidden entrance into the promised land, even Moses. And this command along with all 10 of them are restated in Deuteronomy Deuteronomy 5 by Moses before going into the promised land. And this is like Moses' summation, he is reciting from memory, if you will, the words that God spoke and God gave and Moses delivered. And so in Deuteronomy 5, Shabbat is restated a little bit differently. In Deuteronomy 5, we see an invitation to be, as we said a little bit ago, countercultural. Deuteronomy 5, verse 12, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Verse 15, remember, you were slaves in Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. So we struggle and strive to learn how to steward over this gift. And in Deuteronomy 5, we see the reference to rest, stop, but maybe more so, we see the practice of Sabbath is very much countercultural. Observe the Sabbath because you were slaves in Egypt, don't go back to Egypt, don't be like Egypt. I've called you to be different, live differently. And when we Sabbath, we remember, God is the one who causes all things to be from creation to salvation. And we honor God when we get that and we rest. Sabbath acknowledges God's sovereignty. He doesn't need us, but he wants us. He saved us and wants to save us to the uttermost. And in that journey that we experience, shalom and Sabbath rest, we're clear to understand that it's all about God and his work to bring about salvation. When we work at all times as if it all depends on us, we're saying something about what we believe about the sovereignty of God. And again, Sabbath is an invitation from God, our response an act of humility before God to this gift of Sabbath, rest and worship, and in its practice, it's countercultural. So, how do we steward over this gift and experience all that God has for us? I'm pulling from at least two resources Pete Scazzaro, John Mark Comer, who talk about four components of Sabbath stop, rest, delight, and worship. Stop, rest, delight, and worship. So the first component, to stop. Sabbath is a day to stop working, to stop thinking about work, to stop worrying about work, whether paid or unpaid. So as we learn to steward over this gift, what is it that you need to stop doing and hand over to God? The second component is rest. And sleep is a vital part of rest, but there are things that we can do and give ourselves to that serve the same purpose, to restore and replenish. And someone asked earlier, well, what about mowing the yard? Sometimes that's the only progress I see in life, is mowing a swath of grass. And so if it brings delight, give yourself to it. Rest is all about doing those things that replenish and restore And as we learn to steward over the Sabbath, what are those things for you? The third component is delight. Make time for those things that spark joy or wonder. Wow, look at how big God is and how small we are. And be grateful. And so learning how to steward over this gift forces me to reflect what is it that gives you joy, brings you delight, think about those things then steward over them fourth component is worship and this that we're doing right now is a vital component of worship this corporate gathering but we also scatter when i was growing up associating going to church with sabbath boring i'd rather stay in bed and sleep and sometimes we have those thoughts But Sabbath is a 24-hour time period. It's not the one-hour plus that we give to worship. Worship is all of life. And so, yes, it's corporate, but it's also the things we do that stir our affections for God. The rhythms of stop, rest, and delight naturally give way to worship. And so in stewarding over this gift and in figuring out what it looks like, what is it for you that helps you to Reflect on the goodness of God. Maybe give time to contemplate those things, to contemplate our good God. Let me give you some tips that I've compiled from people who are practitioners of Sabbath. And I know the first question I had, many of us have, how do you decide what to do, what to give up, how to take on the Sabbath. If it falls under any of those four components, stop, rest, delight, worship, it's doable. Give yourselves to it. But if it doesn't, if it causes you to stumble, struggle, or grow numb to God, then don't do it. And don't be legalistic about it. Give yourself some grace, cut yourself some slack, enjoy the Sabbath. Sabbath rules may include clear boundaries, No phone call, no electronic devices, no email, no work, no alarms, sleep in, take a nap, get outside and exercise if at all possible. And here again, be flexible. Sabbath activities might include watching the sun come up, morning prayer or prayer throughout the day, scripture reading, just sitting with God. And some of us do that really well out in nature. Maybe you go fishing. Maybe you go hunting. Or maybe you just sit in the deer stand just because and take it all in. Go for a walk or a drive. Watch sports or play. Engage with the arts through that medium of TV or movie. Eat the Sabbath, especially if you are a practitioner of fasting. Sabbath is the day to. Break all the rules and eat all the foods. Being in community with the body of Christ, with friends. And as work comes up, redirect those thoughts with the breath prayer or the Lord's prayer or even with scripture. Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. Be still and just take it all in. I know it's hard it's a challenge to resist work to give up control and other challenges might include that initial anxiety of well if I don't look at email I'm gonna get so way behind just this week I saw the icon on somebody's phone that said 1500 like how do you have that many unread emails on your phone take off the little icon, all notifications. That initial anxiety of, if I don't do it, I'm gonna get so behind, let that go. That initial anxiety about, well, the rest of the world isn't Sabbathing, and so what if they interrupt? It's okay, just get back on track as best as you can because the benefits to Sabbath undoubtedly include rest and recharge, And the way that Sabbath spills over into the rest of the week, in order to take a Sabbath, some of us have to get ahead or get prepared. And so I think differently about what's coming after the Sabbath because I wanna give myself fully to the food or the fun or the rest or whatever it is. There is that blessing of relaxing and realizing that God is in control and it certainly spills over into the rest of life. There's the added blessing of having eyes to see this world as God sees it, to love like Christ loves because he begins to shape and change our heart. Sabbath is God's gift to the church. And please don't think I'm up here as the expert, because it's a struggle for me. But I'm committed to figuring it out, and I'm committed to figuring it out with you. Sap, God has invited us into regular rhythms of rest and margin for our own good. He's created us in His image, and since we are image bearers, we reflect who He is, who God is, and we cannot give what we don't have, we, cannot ha- we don't have what we haven't received, and we can't receive and be like God. If our cup is full of Netflix and the Houston Astros and responding to the phone or the text or the email or paying bills, Sabbath is like sweeping away this table of obligation. It's like clearing the deck, restoration, rejuvenation for what comes next. One time Jesus and his disciples, they were walking through this field, breaking off heads of grain to eat, and the Pharisees challenged them because it was the Sabbath, and they said, Jesus, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath, to which Jesus replied, The Sabbath was made for man and woman, and it is not the other way around. So, the Son of Man is the Lord even over the Sabbath, and it is God's gift to you and to me. So let me challenge you this morning to think about Sabbath and to give time to create margin in your life for rest or reflection. If you have to start with 10 minutes, that's a start. Or two hours or half a day. But a rhythmic time to unplug, reflecting on God's goodness, and maybe catch up on the two hours you missed between 3 and 5 a.m. when you were awake. And some of you might be like, well, ain't nobody got time for that because I've got an infant at home and a toddler on my hip and bills to pay and life happening. I can't stop. I'm not sleeping, let alone think about Sabbath rest. Let me remind you, God is in control. He is sovereign. He alone is Savior. And we don't have to be. I think that's the biggest benefit of Sabbath realizing that it's God who does the saving. He's the one who brings the shalom, and Shabbat is the way he's gone about to bring it to us as a gift to fully enjoy, receive, and experience. And so, if Sabbath really reflects the goodness of God, the sovereignty of God, what do you think a church looks like who puts this on, feels how it fits, and really lives into it. That's who you are. God has wired us for Sabbath. What do you think the impact would be on our city if we figured the Sabbath out and let God be God, realizing I'm not? He is the one who causes all things to be from creation to salvation. May our lives reflect His goodness and His glory as we learn how to steward over this gift. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we do come to you in Jesus' name, and we are grateful for the opportunity we have to journey together to stumble and fall and get back up and try this out. And so bless us, order our steps and help us to give time to you, time to replenish, time to experience salvation to the uttermost. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for watching our broadcast this morning. I'd like to personally invite you to join us for Sunday morning worship services at 8.30, 11 on our campus in downtown Tyler, Texas. I hope you'll visit our website to learn more about our church and ways that you can partner with us to make a difference for God's kingdom here in Tyler and around the world. Contributions can be made to the church through our QR code now seen on the screen or by sending a check to the church. May God bless you and may you have a great day.